0: Thanks for checking out the Candeo podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at Candeochurch.com.
1: Well, good morning, Candeo. All right. As always, it's great to be uh, with you. Uh, if you missed last week, uh, we are in a new series. This is week two of our Family Matters series, hence the couch and the chair, the, the look, the logo, it all matches the great... 90s TV show. Last week, I sang the intro song and created a life memory for no one. Um, I really was bummed out. You guys left me out there to dry. Uh, but if you missed it, uh, the whole point of this series is we're taking certain topics and we're, we're creating kind of a family meeting of sorts. And when you hear family meeting, don't automatically assume that dad's mad. Like, I don't know how this works in your household, but when I look at my kids, I'm like, hey, family meeting, typically somebody's in trouble. You know, I think of the line, you know, I got a lot of problems with you people. It's time for you to hear about it. Anybody know the reference on that one? Frank Costanza, Festivus, begins with the airing of grievances. Come on, another classic TV show. I swear I don't watch TV that much, but (laughs) it seems like I do the whole point of the the Family Matters series is that we would take critical topics and we would circle up as a family and say, hey, this is how we address that as a family. This is what we're going to be about as a family, right? That that type of thing. It's not always like negative. It's even taking things that we're going to value and say, this is what we're going to be about. And uh, this week, today, is actually kind of like part two of a two-part conversation that started last week as well. Because last week, the topic was The Necessity of Spiritual Family, and we talked about how you cannot hold the church family at arm's length, right, but encourage each person to embrace the church family because we need the church family. This week is now about joyful submission to spiritual leadership, and so it kind of feels similar, although this week it's not about embracing the church family. Now it's about embracing church leadership because you need church leadership. We need leaders in our lives. So I'm going to start here with what may be um, an elephant in the room when I start talking about joyful submission to spiritual leaders. Um, You may be curious what this stack of books represents. Uh, This is just a stack of books from my bookshelf. Right in my office, this is within arm's reach of me at all times, of spiritual leaders that dramatically impacted my life. I am who I am because of their influence. That I watched painfully their meteoric fall from grace in the public eye. I watched their humanity and hypocrisy catch up to them. And now I got these books on my bookshelf and I don't know what to do with them half the time. I don't know if I can recommend them to somebody else with a full endorsement like I used to. And I can't say I could never do that. I cannot promise you as a church leader, I will never do what they did and hurt you. Because the same humanity flows through my veins that flows through theirs. We can't say that. I think it's healthy for us to not say I could never, to keep ourselves humble and nah. But when it comes to the topic of joyful submission to spiritual leadership, this is the first major roadblock, is it not, for many, is that they can point to so many examples of failure in leadership and go, okay, hold on a second, pastor, okay, this seems self-serving. You want me to joyfully submit to church leadership. And so today really is about managing two tensions, right? It's, it's about walking between two ditches. It's about managing the tension of recognizing that, yes, everything that involves human beings is always going to have the potential for failure. It's going to be marked by shortcomings, even the church. That's why one of my favorite lines about the church is, everything we do will be B plus at best. It's true of Candale Church. Everything that we do is going to be B plus at best. And it's about holding that in one hand and then holding it in tension with something else. And that is recognizing that I cannot overestimate my own strength and strike out on my own. But it recognize that there are extreme dangers in this world. There is a tag team of three constantly and persistently at work. Our flesh, the world, and Satan seeking to destroy us. And so we need not only the salvation of Christ, and we need not only the gift of the promised Holy Spirit, but we also need, as we saw last week, each other. And what we also need, as we'll see this week, we need spiritual leaders. And so walk with me through that tension, knowing that there are hurts in the past, but we cannot push away all leadership then and strike out on our own. We're not that strong. If you've got a Bible, join me in Hebrews 13. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 19 quickly this morning. Again, if you were here last week, you know how we did this. Um, we kind of had a shorter message for about 10 to 15 minutes and then uh, invited other elders, pastors up on the stage, which is what we'll do again today and have a short panel time as uh, we address some other questions of application regarding this text, but in Hebrews, if you don't know much about this book, know this. We don't know who wrote it. But we know that the writer knows the people he's writing to, and he's writing to, particularly Jewish Christians, which in the early church, that was a difficult thing to be, was to be an, a Jewish Christian, an early convert to Christ, and to walk against the tide of your culture. And these people knew hardships. They had experienced, many of them, imprisonment and some of them the confiscation of their property. They knew hardships. Yet, oddly, at this point now, as the writers write to them, the biggest issue now in their lives seems to be that their affections for Christ have, has cooled a bit. They've lost their awe of Christ. And so the whole point of this book of Hebrews is a call for them to persevere to cling to Christ and persevere. And when you get to chapter 13, which is the last chapter of the whole book, it's kind of a junk drawer. It's, it's kind of a random collection of a lot of things, but there's still this unifying theme of perseverance no matter what is going on around you. And this is how he starts his encouragement to him in verse seven, at least where we'll start today. Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. I'll pause for a second. We all need to recognize that every one of us in here is an echo. What I mean is at some point, somebody spoke Jesus and you and the new life in you was the result. This is how the gospel moves. It's people to people. Person to person. The gospel came to you on the way to someone else. And God wants to use use you to speak Jesus to someone else. This is how the gospel works. So every one of us has spiritual leaders in our lives, spiritual heroes, people that we point to and say, I am who I am in Christ because of them. When I read verse seven, remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. I'm curious who comes to mind. Maybe a parent, grandparent, a youth leader, pastor, a coworker, friend. Some of them may not even be with us anymore. Again, this, this verse here is speaking of leaders in past tense. You know, those who spoke the word of God to you sometime in the past. And you are who you are because of them. What he's doing here is he's calling them that as you ride out the storms of this world, it's good to remember spiritual heroes, right? Life examples are powerful. They stick with us. But we should look at our heroes' lives, those who are faithful to the end. We should observe their lives and seek to imitate them. And while our spiritual heroes come and go, the goal is not to just hold on to them. It's to cling to Christ, who is, this is as verse 8 says, right? Our spiritual heroes come and go, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the goal, right? Spiritual leadership is not about getting you to follow that spiritual leader. It's to get you to follow Christ, who never changes. And then he goes in to kind of the context, right, the, the, the challenges that they're facing, don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food regulations, since those who observe them have not benefited. We have an altar with which, uh, which those who worship at the tabernacle do not have the right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the most holy place by the high priest as sin offering are burned outside the camp. I don't have enough time to unpack all that's going on here, but just take note of this. Right now in their lives, they're not only facing persecution, they're also facing false teaching. And we don't know much about this false teaching, but it had to do with what they were eating. Like there was some type of sacred menu that was going to make them a better Christian. In case you're curious, there isn't a sacred menu that makes you a better Christian, just to make that clear. But that was what they were facing. This is why, though, he's calling for them to recognize God created spiritual leaders for this moment. Like, you must understand that as you walk through this world, ever since the moment that Peter and Andrew dropped their nets, To this point now at 922 on April 23rd of 2023, for every person that has ever decided to follow Christ, it has meant walking against the current. And what the world is going to throw at you, what your flesh is going to throw at you, what Satan is going to throw at you is a billion different alternative routes that you could take. And we need spiritual leaders in those times to continue to labor for our good, to point us to Christ, to help us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then we need to run ourselves, the race marked out for us, with perseverance by his strength. We need to cling to Christ regardless of the consequences. He goes on to say, Therefore, Christ also suffered outside the gate so that he might sanctify the people by his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing his disgrace. For we do not have an enduring city here. Instead, we seek one to come. So beautiful words. Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that confess his name. And don't neglect to do what is good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. And now this key verse for us today, this key verse that gives two job descriptions for us, two very clear job descriptions, job description for church people and job description for church leaders. First, he'll speak to church people. Here's your job description, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. And then to leaders, since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. So that they can do this with joy and not grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. I'll read that again because it's a key verse. Obey your leaders and submit to them, since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. So that they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And pray for us. For we are convinced that we have a clear conscience wanting to conduct ourselves honorably in everything. And I urge you all the more to pray that I may be restored to you soon. It is true that sometimes spiritual leaders, people, will let us down. But it's also true that spiritual leaders, people. is how God speaks to us, leads us, guides us, directs us. And so if we get to the spot where all of a sudden we say, I've had it, I don't want it, push it out, strike out on our own. The bummer is when you close the door on spiritual leadership, you eliminate their voice from your life. And you are who you are because of somebody else's influence. And we need to continue to be shaped by voices around us. Not just of peers, but of leaders. Especially as we walk through a world where right and wrong is a matter of life and death, leadership matters. And so every time I look at this text, every time I lead a membership class, I'll I'll point to this text as a a marker for like membership. you can see church membership is clear from this text. And somebody goes, how do you get that? I say, okay, two things are abundantly clear. One, when the author writes these words and says, submit to your leaders, they know who their leaders are. And as their leaders are accountable, their leaders know who they are. And that's my question here before we jump into the panel to you. Do you know those things? Do you know who your leaders are? And do your leaders know who you are? Have you stepped out and said, hey, would you please watch over my life? Would you please speak into my life and help me follow Jesus? This crowd knew those two things. And that's a question for us. Do you? Do you? So with that, I'm going to invite the panel elders up on stage. I've got Zach Meyer and Andrew Chrisman that will be joining me here. We'll just quickly uh, move things just a bit.
2: I was really disappointed that you... Uh... Oh, you wanted me to sing? There you go. Why don't there we you go. sing? I-, Zach... I was really disappointed that you didn't sing this
1: week. Maybe, uh, maybe you want to sing. You want to? No. Is crowd
2: participation here? Yeah, I'm not going to be trying out for the, uh, worship, the worship team, team anytime, anytime soon.
1: No, they seem to be doing just fine without me at this point. <laughs> so, real quick, I mean, Andrew, you're on stage from time to time leading in worship. Uh, Zach, the last time you were up on this stage, I believe you were pruning a tree.
2: Yeah, that's right. Does anybody
1: I... remember that? Okay, <laughs> so, so maybe not, not super frequently. So, could you introduce yourselves? I mean, I gave everybody your names, but... Yeah, yeah so
2: it. I'm Zach Meyer. Uh, I have a wife and four kids, and I am a sixth-generation farmer out in Appleton, Iowa. Nice.
1: Your plant's destroyed by frost? Not yet, okay. we'll see. Okay, yeah. <laughs> for that. Uh, and you, sir?
0: Yeah, my name's Andrew Chrisman. Um, a lot of you yeah, probably seen me, but maybe not met me. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a husband and a dad to a six-month-old baby boy. He's been mm-hmm. talking the whole time. So if you hear hear somebody talking over there, that's Calvin. So yeah, yeah, I do heating and air conditioning. Mm -hmm. That's about it. Very cool. Very cool.
1: Yeah. So two other pastors, elders within our church, not on staff, but guys, thanks for joining me on stage today. Uh, I'm curious. I'll start off with this first one. Uh, So here we are, three elders, pastors on stage telling people to submit to us. How do you guys
2: feel about that? (laughs) I feel fine. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to slink back behind the curtains back there a little bit. I, I don't know. I, I think the, a good place to start would be just that we're not looking for blind leadership. You know, as we go about teaching this church, uh, my desire for our church was that we'd, we'd be uh, a lot like the Bereans were in Acts 17. Mm-hmm. We'd listen to what is being taught, but then we'd confirm mm-hmm. That what is being taught is actually what is written in God's word.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, in all seriousness, then,
2: because uh, I wanted to,
1: to pull that question out, because just know, like, our, this is an awkward topic for us to address. Because I'm curious, you know, when you see verse 17, I think we're going to throw it up on the screen here. Um, so, when you guys read that text,
0: what catches your attention? Yeah, I think most people see the word submit and that can be the kind of the focus of the of the verse for them. But when I read it I see I think we see uh the the line as as those who will give an account. And um that's pretty humbling for us for, for me specifically, but I think for us as a as a group too, they're like, I don't even know how I'm gonna give an account for leading myself, mm. you know. Um, I do know that in both cases, my only plea is going to be the blood of Christ. So, um, I think, uh, when we're dealing with a topic like submission and obedience, um, whether it's, you know, we deal with it in two specific places that I can think of right now is in the, in the church family and then in the marriage relationship, um, in the, in the home family. And, uh, the the topic of submission can kind of be tiptoed around a lot, and, and I get it. It's it's it can be pretty uncomfortable, but I do know that it's profitable to talk about because it's in the scriptures. So I think it's I'm glad that we're talking about it. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm thankful that um, that we're not skipping over that. But well,
1: and you had a helpful like picture too. Yeah, you got a little jujitsu background, yeah, right, which well, is all
0: about. I wouldn't say that. I would say, I've tried it. Everybody What's in it? here
1: that's a black belt's like, oh, there's a yeah. sparring partner for Actually, me. Let's go. A,
0: I don't know if he's here, and I wasn't going to bring it up, but there's a guy that goes to Candale regularly. His name's Gus. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's here, but he has submitted me many, many times. There it is. So um, I don't know if Gus is here or whatever, but. Yeah, so uh, I do, a lot of people do think of submission in, in the sense of like how it's used in jujitsu where it's actually like a result of a fight and it's, and it's against people's will. So it's like two sides going at it and someone forcing the other one to submit, to tap out against their will. And I, I kind of want to just challenge to think about it a, a little bit differently as like, uh, like willful humility or, or willfully... Humbling yourself under some under some leadership, you know. So it's not necessarily against your will, but it's a it's a it's a way of building each other up. Maybe another way to put it would be uh, someone who submits to leadership is someone who is looking for ways to um, to unify and encourage and build mm. each other up um, for the benefit of the body. That would be someone who who is uh, submitting to the to the leadership in the church. So, yeah. and as Zach mentioned earlier, we don't necessarily. We don't mean like blind following, you know. Um, there are lines to be drawn, and we see it in this chapter where they talk about be on the lookout for for strange and diverse teaching. That would be a case where you know if you were sitting uh, under some under some leadership that was teaching things that don't align with the scripture, similar to what Zach was saying. Then in that case, like you wouldn't necessarily be called to submit. Um,
1: yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. What about for you, Zach? When you see that text, like what? catches your attention
2: it it feels heavy to me you know Mm -hmm. like I just think of the sin in my life you know even as I was thinking about what I was going to add to the message today I couldn't get beyond worrying about what everybody out here would think about me versus you know really taking joy and Uh, teaching this section of Scripture. Mm. You know, just that, like, heart idol of, like, wanting people to think well of me, wanting people to like me, you know, like, it just wells up in you as a leader. It's just natural. And and the only thing that really gives me confidence to uh, actually do this job as being an elder in this church is actually submitting to the elders myself, having men in my life that are on the lookout for, you know, sin in my life, uh, helping me to be a better elder, uh, helping me to be a better father and a br- better brother to my sisters yeah. in Christ. And I mean, that's really what gives me the confidence to do this thing. Yeah.
1: Well, you said something kind of interesting the other day when we were talking about this. You said, My favorite time of year is an elder. And I thought, Where is this going to go? And you picked the most, to me, unlikely place, but. Yeah,
2: so so every year, uh, the elder team will just take some time, go on a retreat by ourselves, and we'll take some time and just say, hey, you're doing this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, and this wrong, which, I mean, it's just encouraged me, because I don't have you know, you can't see your blind spots. You can't see your own uh, blind spots. Blind yeah. spots. You know, you need other people looking out for you. And so, like, to have that confidence that, hey, I feel like I have those things covered now because I have mm-hmm. these other men speaking into my life. Yeah. Like, it's just encouraging for me. And, I mean, once you understand that wounds from a friend can be trusted, yeah. like, it's, it's just game changing. Yeah.
1: And I, I think... I just wanted to start with this question because I want everybody in the room to understand. As elders, again, we understand the job description that you've got here to submit, to obey. that, And, and we also understand our job description and, and feel the full weight of it, that we ourselves are men under authority. One, we're held accountable to God. But two, like Zach said, like even being accountable to one another. For me, that's always the telltale sign of a, a leadership like potential abuse situation emerging is when you have a leader leading people, but they themselves are not under leadership. I go, if you get into a context where that's true, you see a leader kind of operate on their own with a lot of autonomy. I go, I I would stay away from that. Mm-hmm. I think leaders are marked by also themselves being under authority. And and something else that, that caught me here is notice the plural, obey your leaders.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we see in this text, like plurality and on display. This isn't about like following one person blindly or their charisma or whatever. It's, it's obeying your leaders. And plurality is itself also a protection from spiritual abuse or false doctrine or those things, because by staying in humble relationship with one another as fellow elders, we keep each other sharp. Yeah. And so I, I praise God for the team that we have, and uh, we do feel the, the weight of this responsibility. I'm curious if I could turn it to the next question. This one's maybe a bit more like pastoral in nature. When you encounter somebody that is holding leadership, spiritual leadership at arm's length, how do you guys engage that? Or, or, you know, if there's somebody in the room like that, like how would you speak to that in their life right now?
0: Yeah, I think my desire would be um, that people kind of see the submission to church leadership as, uh, as like one thread in the fabric of submission to Christ. Mm. Like all of our relationships should be built on, on, a, on a Christ-focused foundation. I think of like First Corinthians 11, uh, I wrote it down here, like Paul says, be imitators of me, so that would be submission to that church leadership. But then he goes, there's not a period there, there's a comma, and it says, as I am of Christ. Mm. So, it kind of speaks right into what you were saying. Paul was a person under authority um, and probably given the most authority that we've seen. You know. Yeah. But, um, and then we see it in this passage as well. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to, to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So that would be the ch- submission to church leaders. But then it followed up with Jesus Christ is the same Yesterday and today and forever. So all of our submission should be, um, should be an imitation of Christ, mm. and um, and His submission. You know, even to the point of death. So yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's what I would say. Yeah. Well, you Zach, what would you say? I would say their
2: hesitation to submit would not be without merit. Like you said, uh, <laughs> it doesn't take yeah. very long for us to create a list of church leaders that have either, uh, failed, uh, spiritually in some way or outright abused their congregations. And so, you know, like, I would just encourage them to, you know, trust again. Uh, I think of my, my daughter, Lydia, like, uh, she uh, she had stitches on one of her toes when she was young. And uh, so every time we go to, like, clip her fo- toenails or, like, pull a, a splinter out or, like, have to do anything around her toes, like, there's just, like, that trauma that's underlying the surface there. Um, and so when she gets a splinter or something going on, like, it's, it's an act of patience for me as a father to just – you know, be patient with her, sit with her, wait a lot of times, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think she's come to know know that, like, splinters are not painless in themselves. Like, you need people to pull those things out for you sometimes. Uh, Me, as a loving father, would not let a splinter just, like, fester forever. You know, Mm -hmm. it, it could get staph infection. I mean, it could become deadly for her if you just let uh, things fester so yeah. I mean sin is the same way in our life if we let that fester it could be spiritually deadly for us no. so as as elders I, you know I want us to be seen as a, a, a loving father in a sense like uh, I want to be patient with a with a child that's potentially endured trauma uh, but know that sin is deadly and we need to take care of that in your life
1: right and at some point Something painful, uh, uh, something hard maybe need to be said, you know, sin needs to be dealt with, that type of thing. And so how to do that with both patience and at the same time not be okay with somebody just staying where they are. Yeah, our our goal is
2: definitely healing, it's not pain, Yeah, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what, like,
1: one of the things I wrote down just kind of in reflection of this text is that I think the bummer is that even, like, full commitment to a moderately healthy church, a moderately healthy leadership team will bear fruit for your life and be, bring blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Like even a moderately healthy church, I think we're always looking for something perfect and all that. but
2: You're not going to find it here. <laughs> you're not going to
1: find it. And so wanting so badly for people to experience the joy of rich community and rich relationship with their spiritual leaders, to say, it is for your good. I'm asking for you to trust again and to submit yourself uh, for your good, for your good. And That's why our goal is joy at this church, and so uh, that lines up well. So I got one more question for you guys. We got four minutes left. Um, this passage talks about um, the people of a church bringing joy to their spiritual leaders, and I'm just curious, what are the things that a church member can do that bring joy to you or bring joy to our team. What what things come, come to mind? Maybe Zach, off you kick us off.
2: Yeah, I, I guess I'd go right back to trust. Like mm. uh, I have another daughter, Annabelle. Uh, she's doesn't have that toe trauma thing going on. Uh, she had a splinter a few weeks ago. Like she came to me, Dad, this really hurts. Can you help me? Um, so we went in the bathroom. I got the tweezers out. She held completely still for me. Uh, I said, this might hurt, Annabelle. And she's like, that's fine. It hurts right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, held completely still. We pulled it out. Painless. Mm. We both laughed at how painless and how easy it came out. Mm. And I I would just, yeah, encourage our people to trust. Mm. Um, Lean in, um, you know. Um, I was telling you this the other
1: day, we, we have on our staff team kind of three rules that we follow when it comes to confusion or whatever. there's kind of a gap between uh, what we thought was going to happen and what ended up happening or whatever. But there's there's three things, and I think that this would be helpful for our church family to embrace, is in any situation to assume the best, lean toward trust, and pursue direct conversation. Because I think what probably hurts the most is when we in leadership hear from somebody else that there's like, brokenness taking place or whatever, or confusion over a decision that we made or whatever. And it's like, man, if you would have just assumed the best, leaned toward trust and pursued us in direct conversation, that would have been really, really helpful. And that's one way that people can bring joy. But I think those three phrases kind of build off the
0: trust theme. Well, what would you add? Yeah. Uh, I think I got a few that I thought about. Um, one, kind of going back to the, to the submission to leadership, um, it's so encouraging when you're, um, when you're with a group of people that are looking for ways to unify. They're looking for ways to um, be gracious to one another uh, and kind of and I could probably give a master class of, of not doing this, <laughs> but uh, putting their personal preference kind of on a back burner, mm. um, things that aren't that aren't. Um, places to draw lines or hills to die on, being able to put that on a back burner for the the sake of the health of the body. Because when people um, elevate their preferences uh, at the expense of the body, that's when it can become a little bit more burdensome. Um, And a second one would be, uh, I think taking your spiritual health seriously, similar to what, what these guys have been talking about, um, take those splinters in your life seriously. Uh, if you if you are unwilling, you know, unwilling to address those things or have someone speak into your life um, regarding those those uh, we'll we'll call them splinters, uh, it can be it can be uh, at a detriment to you and as as the group as a whole, the body as a whole. So I'd say taking your taking your spiritual life seriously would be another way, way that gives me joy, and then the third would be prayer. Um, pray for us. Pray for me, specifically. I need it all yeah. the time. Yeah. Uh, I've been so encouraged by the letters that we get from a lot of our connection groups about how they're praying for us, and they're thankful. That stuff means so much, because um, it can be a little bit of a, of a uh, what's the word? Struggle, sometimes. So, um, just knowing that the people are praying for us has been, has been Awesome, so.
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, the way this text ends even highlights that as well, Andrew. I mean, I'll just take us back to verses uh, 18 and 19 of chapter 13 here. He says this, and pray for us, for we are convinced that we have a clear conscience and want to conduct ourselves honorably in everything. And I urge you all the more to pray that I may be restored to you very soon. Uh, It means so much to us when you're praying for us. One of the the aspects of our job description is to to keep watch over the flock. The word there, keep watch, literally means without sleep. That we would be spiritually awake and alert at all times for the good of our peoples and mindful of where our flock is spiritually to be able to to chase down, to pursue, to care, to mend, um, to rebuke and the wide range of gifts and skills that are needed from very tender to very bold and all those things. Um, some of those things come naturally for some of us, some don't. Uh, and we as a team are very well-rounded. We love that about our team. I'm grateful for the authenticity and the humility of our team. But we need the Lord's help at all times to stay alert to lead this, this church well. And so I actually want to do something different today in how we close our, our sermon. Typically we close by having the pastor pray for the people and what I wanted to do is just flip that we've now have unpacked God's word together I want to just give you space to pray over your leaders not just the three of us but there's 10 others that are not on this stage Uh, maybe you could grab onto one name and just uh, lift our name up before the Lord would you do that please yeah thank you
0: This has been a message from Candeo Church. To learn more about us or to hear more messages, visit us at candeochurch.com.